reconciliation the same as forgiveness? The answer is absolutely not. Reconciliation and forgiveness are not the same because reconciliation focuses on the relationship. Forgiveness focuses on the offense. Reconciliation requires at least two people, two people to reconcile. Forgiveness requires only one. Reconciliation is necessarily reciprocal. It is directed two ways. Forgiveness is not necessarily reciprocal. It can be directed only one way. Well, these are some important distinctions between forgiveness and reconciliation. And there's more coming up today here on Hope for the Heart with June Hunt. But first, she has something that she would like each of us to consider. What if God called you to be a mediator for someone experiencing a broken relationship? June explains the valuable role of a mediator as we get started with our time together here on Hope for the Heart. A guy named Nick is stuck. He's got a dead-end job. He doesn't like it. No opportunity for advancement. The environment is stifling. The work is mundane. Same day in, day out as he languishes in deepening despair. Nick looks around at his co-workers. There's no hope there. He just knows that they will not ever aspire to anything more than this. Man over him sounds a stern command, get back to work. Nick jolts back to the task at hand. Not much time to muse in these surroundings, just work, work, work. Things just don't change in the work environment. Then one day, Nick realizes he's had enough. He has to break free from this belittling bondage, so he comes up with a plan. Interesting, uh, by the way, in terms of our plans, the Bible says, in his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. Our plans many times are not God's plans. Meanwhile, when the opportune time comes, Nick escapes. He runs. He feels he has to get away, far, far away from this suffocating atmosphere that continually squelches his personal growth and self-esteem. Nick travels over land and sea to the big city, seeking to immerse himself in countless opportunities just to start over. In regard to his former work, he recognizes that reconciliation with Phil, who is the owner, will now be impossible since he quit and disappeared. No matter what, he must make things work in the big city. So many sights and sounds, so many faces and fears. But then Nick's ears are drawn to a voice on the city street, boldly proclaiming something about good news, something about the gospel of Christ. Someone proclaiming, actually, the greatest story ever told. The basic message he heard was Acts 13, 38. It could be summed up this way. I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Well, if anyone needed good news, it was Nick. He was alienated from all he had ever known, and he was totally alone. He encounters this man who is speaking, who talks about this great love of God and the great sacrifice of God 
sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for all our sins and then rising from the dead three days later. Nick learns that he can have his sins forgiven so he can go to heaven. But he also discovers that God wants to be involved in his life right now. This isn't just some religious experience in order to get a ticket out of hell and a ticket to heaven. It has to do with Christ being involved in his life, decisions, daily decisions, Christ guiding him, helping him. Well, Nick cannot seem to resist the kind of irresistible love he's hearing about. And so his new friend, Rawl, leads him into a life-changing relationship with Jesus, and they immediately form a close bond as brothers in Christ. Rawl is the embodiment of this verse. A friend loves at all times. A brother is born for adversity. And indeed, Nick is in a very adverse situation. He actually does not know what to do with his situation. Now, if we rewind this story about 2,000 years ago to the original cast of biblical characters, Nick is actually Onesimus. In the Bible... It's a story about a runaway slave of Phil, who is actually Philemon. Rawl is the Apostle Paul, who speaks truth and hope into Onesimus' life. So he's able to deal with hopelessness, fear, alienation, despair. And in truth, here's this man who is truly changed... But we need to understand there's a huge cost, like death, to a runaway slave in that era, in that culture. Onesimus actually tells Paul everything about his former life, his work environment, his running away. And subsequently, Paul takes on another role in addition to friend, in addition to mentor. Now, Paul becomes a mediator. Onesimus must address several major issues that he cannot avoid, but he also can't do this by himself. Meaning, as a now Christian, he is to do what is right. But what is he going to do? The scripture implies that he stole money from Philemon for this long journey to Rome. So Paul immediately makes sure that the matter gets settled. And a poignant illustration of our sin being charged to Christ, fully placed onto Christ at the cross, Paul tells Philemon to charge Onesimus' debt to his account. In Paul's own words, this is what he said, if he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. Paul mediates also in another way, realizing that Onesimus' Christian duty is to return to Philemon, who is also a believer. Now, this is what's interesting. Now, Onesimus has become an authentic Christian, and Philemon, the one whom he fled from, is also a believer. So Paul encourages the two men to reassess their roles now as brothers in Christ. Realizing again that the punishment for runaway slaves is death, 
So Paul once again mediates on Onesimus' behalf. Actually, the mediation is successful. For Onesimus becomes a faithful ministry partner to Paul later. These were the words said, written to Philemon by Paul. I appeal to you for my son. Notice he uses the word son. Words are so important. Tone is so important. I appeal, not you have to, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Welcome him as you would welcome me. What brilliant words. Paul was brilliant. He had a legal mind. For him to write the treatise of the book of Romans is phenomenal when you study it. He had an ability to build a case and build it well. In this one chapter, Philemon is only one chapter, you see how he appealed to what was deep inside Philemon. Not looking at the letter of the law, but looking at what grace would mean. He would be appealing to Philemon to give grace to Onesimus and mercy. See, grace is giving you a gift you don't deserve. That's one side of the coin. Grace is giving you a gift you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. He deserved death. And yet what is so poignant here is Paul, he's in chains, but it's like he's standing right by Onesimus. And he's saying, whatever it is, charge it to my account. And Paul was so well known, even though he was in chains. His influence was phenomenal. He was the greatest missionary in the world. And indeed, it worked. When you think about a mediator, there are going to be times when you will be called upon by God to be a mediator with certain situations. It takes an outside person where everything is not emotionally charged. You know, there's no way that Onesimus could have said, I'm going to come back. I mean, if it's a death penalty. Do you see? He needed Paul. Paul took it upon himself to do this. And there are times when you need to be wise and think, is this something that I need to do? This is Hope for the Heart. Coming up next, June talks about a painful time for her family and how they found peace. In a world where our differences seem to be dividing us, I'm so grateful that June is having this conversation about reconciliation. For more about hope and help for relationships, I invite you to visit us at hopefortheheart.org. Now let's get back to June as she shares how God restored harmony in her own family. I remember a number of years ago, one of my sisters was deeply hurt because she was supposed to do something with my mom. She lived out of state. But my brother, who rarely, rarely asked her to do something, to go someplace, he said, would you like to come with us? And it was like a three or four day getaway. My brother had not done that before. Mom was so excited. She said, oh, honey, I would love to. Well, unbeknownst to mother, it did something to my sister. So my sister's telling me, I'm never going to come back again. And I was listening to this, and I, I thought, wow, 
she is wounded. Mom has no clue. So I went to mother and I said, Mom, I need to tell you something. We need to have a meeting. I'm going to have the meeting at my house, but I want to explain. This hurt her so deeply. I understand what you're thinking. I understand. But she doesn't. And what I'd like to do is get us together. And I initiated the situation. I said, Mom, so-and-so had mentioned about being with you. And since my brother invited you to do this, then you changed. And she's just so hurt. And Mother went, Oh, I am so, so sorry. I would not have hurt you for the world. Please, would you forgive me? And, and it was genuine. By virtue of how mom then made an appeal, please, please forgive me. I now see what you're saying. I, I was wrong. I, I understand. It melted her heart. I don't think my sister would have told my mom. And there are times when you are going to need to be a mediator. And you're maybe the only one who can really do it. So pray. God, when it is right for me to be a mediator, whether it's between family members, friends, sometimes it's just a different person who cares about both or who can speak the truth in a way that it's not emotionally charged. Mediation is the intervention between conflicting parties to promote reconciliation. Mediators are outside agents, those on the outside brought in to produce a change or compromise between opposing individuals. There are personal mediators, if we're looking at types. In that case, I would have been a personal family member, a person who authentically cares for each individual and relies on the Spirit of God to help clarify communication and reveal truth. There can be a professional mediator. This is an objective, unbiased person. The role of a mediator is not just confronting somebody. It's there's a plan, just like Paul had a plan regarding Onesimus. A mediator. It's interesting when you look at a woman named Abigail. This is in 1 Samuel 25. There were these two men who had great conflict. We're talking about David and her husband. Her husband was a very wealthy landowner, and he refused David's legitimate request for food and shelter and began to hurl insults at him and his army. Not a large army, but he needed food and shelter. Wisely assuming the role of mediator between these two highly angered men, Abigail staves off David's impending revenge by first serving him and his men a meal fit for a king, if you will. She then appeals to David's sense of godly leadership, and he ultimately praises her for her good judgment. Abigail is an excellent example of an effective mediator. When you read how she did this, she had persuasive arguments and actions that really highlighted her wisdom in just dealing with conflict. This is a highly contentious 
and potentially explosive situation. There are people who are very wise. They think about what is it that would be meaningful to this other person. And that's one of the things we need to do. If we're trying to help, think about what can appeal especially to the conscience of that other person. Let's talk about reconciliation versus forgiveness. This is extremely important because many people have never thought about it. Is reconciliation the same as forgiveness? The answer is absolutely not. Reconciliation and forgiveness are not the same because reconciliation focuses on the relationship. Forgiveness focuses on the offense. Reconciliation requires at least two people, two people to reconcile. Forgiveness requires only one. Reconciliation is necessarily reciprocal. It is directed two ways. Forgiveness is not necessarily reciprocal. It can be directed only one way. Reconciliation is the choice to rejoin the offender. Notice, rejoin. Forgiveness is the choice to release the offender. What are we talking about when you release the offender? I will tell you from personal experience, I certainly had a horrible relationship with my father. I resented him. I thought it would be wrong to forgive him for the way he treated my mother. That was the number one thing. I thought I was right to hate him. I remember reading for the first time, 1 John 2, 9, it talks about Say you're walking in the light and then you hate your brother. Well, then you're still walking in the darkness. The darkness has blinded you. You don't know where you're going. I'm now a new Christian and I'm, for the first time, reading scripture. And I thought, well, that, that's a good principle. And then I later read, uh, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. And I think, well, there are these ideals in the Bible that I, but it's not practical. I mean, nobody can love their enemies. I mean, you can't. If it's an enemy, you don't love them. Now, I knew nothing about agape love, and that's what that word is in Greek, but when I'm just reading English, love your enemies. Agape basically is seeking the highest good of the other person, seeking what's best in behalf of the other person, the highest and best. So if we love our enemies, it's not based on emotion at all. It's not based on the recipient of the love. It's, I'm going to seek to do what is in your best interest. And that's what we're to do when people are difficult in our lives. The fact is, I was wrong about the issue of forgiveness. Forgiveness is literally, you make a list of all that was painful. It's all the specifics that you can think of. And you release that into the hands of God. Say, God, I, I just give you all this pain. And I literally am taking this person off of my hook, putting this person onto your hook for you to do whatever you wish. I pray he will be convicted. I pray he'll have a changed life. But see, if that person's so busy fighting you, and you're fighting that person... That's where the focus is going to be as opposed to releasing that person to God and let God now. Let the energy go there. 
and just keep praying. The Bible says pray for those who persecute you. And what I've learned that when we pray in behalf of someone, if we pray for our enemy, God protects our heart from becoming embittered. And people can tell if you're embittered toward them. Then you've got opposition. You need to care. You've heard the expression, people don't care how much you know, but they know how much you care. When you pray for those who persecute, Matthew 5, 44, if you pray for those who persecute you, then you're doing what you're supposed to. If you've got an enemy, if you've got somebody who's persecuting you, you're not given an option. That's not an option. It's you pray for those who persecute you. But pray in behalf of them. Pray that they will learn what it means to have a changed life. That they will experience a changed life. That they would allow the Lord. By the way, it's not God changed them. God is willing to change anybody. Everybody who's off base. But they have to be willing. So Lord, do whatever's necessary to make them willing to change. When we forgive, that is one way. When I forgave my dad, it was totally one way. There was no reciprocal relationship. But you know what? When I forgave him, it's interesting. My focus changed. I was truly lighter. The burden was off. And I just kept praying for his salvation. Because that's what he did need. This is Hope for the Heart with June Hunt. As you heard, June knows what it feels like to struggle with unforgiveness. And she knows what it feels like to let go and to let God have that hurt. Her focus changed, and she said she felt lighter because that burden had been removed. More guidance about reconciliation can be found in our Keys for Living on this topic. You can order your copy when you visit hopefortheheart.org. Or call our Hope Care Center. That number is 800-488-HOPE. Now, let's go back to June. Hi, this is June again. I've been humbled by how God has blessed this broadcast by reaching millions of people over the past 34 years. We've been sharing the vital message how God's truth provides real answers to our real questions. After October 2nd, our daytime broadcast will transition off the air, but you can still listen to our nighttime program. And I invite you to our new website, junehunt.org. Here you'll find my audio teaching resources, just like you've heard on this broadcast. Plus, our Keys for Living series will be available, addressing relevant topics like anger, abuse, grief, forgiveness, marriage and family issues, and many other topics people face in life. Words can't express how much I appreciate our loyal listening audience. So join me as we step into this new season Make junehunt.org your place to go for biblical hope and practical help where I'll continue to provide God's truth for today's problems anytime, anywhere. Well, with this announcement, we want you, our listeners, to know how grateful we are for you. Now, you'll be able to hear June anytime, anywhere on her new website. That's junehunt.org, and that's coming online in October. You could also listen to her on her nighttime radio program, Hope in the Night. And of course, you can still follow her on Facebook. And there's one more area of ministry that's fairly new. Listen to this. Caregivers come from different backgrounds, education, and experience. But they all have one thing in common, a desire to help those who are hurting. Lifeline to Hope is a brand new caregiver training offered by Hope for the Heart. 
This 10-week video-based program can help you deploy a small, effective group of caregivers in your church. Biblical caregivers who can help meet the needs of hurting people, connecting lives in crisis with a new or renewed life in Christ. This comprehensive training shows the biblical model for caregiving and includes sessions on effective listening, crisis intervention, family dynamics, having a ministry of presence, and more. Proverbs 11.14 reminds us that where there is no guidance, the people fall, but in abundance of counselors, there is victory. Discover more at lifelinetohope.org. We're really excited about this caregiver training. That website one more time is lifelinetohope.org. For June Hunt, I'm Joe Wolf. Remember that there is hope no matter the circumstance. Join us tomorrow for more Hope for the Heart.